Welcome back to another episode, a live episode, a live radio episode of Tani Talks Radio, the show and the sheer where we talk some topics for the week for the audience members to keep. We switch off every other week a different idea. Some weeks are shiurim, some weeks are topics. Of course, the topics are related to Judaism and Jew- a Jewish way of life, a Judaic way of life. We tie it in, but formerly it was Tani Talks Life. Now we do that version Every couple of weeks, every two weeks, and the other weeks we talk radio topics, but in general it's always radio, always live. Obviously afterwards, if you hear the recording, then it was recorded live. But here are many different ways to listen to us. You can listen to us on Naki Radio, my favorite Jewish kosher internet radio player, the only one that I actually know about. You can get our station at portal.nakiradio.com, N-A-K-I. Portal.nakiradio.com. You could get our station, Sheer Enjoyment Radio. You could listen to us on those amazing devices, whether it's the solo or the duo or the home. You could also get my Tiny Talks podcast channel on Portal.nakiradio.com. And you could listen on those awesome kosher internet Jewish kosher Wi Fi players. They are amazing. You can listen to us on the Sheer Enjoyment app, which I hope most people do. It took a lot of work working with the developers and Radio.co to get the app off the ground. There's an app for Google Play. There's an app for the Apple App Store. Listen to us there. It's the easiest, best way to listen. You could also listen to us at 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. You could also listen to us at Streamer. Dot radio.co slash s33c91f0e4 slash listen not the easiest way to listen but a great way to listen and you could of course email us if you want to be live you want to come on live no problem email us at sheer enjoyment radio at gmail.com s-h-i-u-r e-n-j-o-y-m-e-n-t-r-a-d-i-o at gmail.com so on this year and this show, we try to talk different topics in a lecture format, in a radio format. We do it for about an hour or so, and we try to talk different things that could appeal to the masses, that could help the masses. So it's really topics for the week or a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. Again, this is Tani Talks Radio brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio, powered by Radio.co, the easiest, simplest, fastest way to get a radio cha- channel station on the internet is radio.com. No, they didn't pay me to say that. So you can listen to us on the Google Play, the Apple App Store. You can listen to us on the Streamer Link or Naki Radio. You can listen to us all different ways. This week we're talking about filling the straps of life. And why do I call it that? Why is the name of the sheer this week, the show this week, the straps of life? We'll talk about it and we'll explain it through some stories and some sources as we've tried to do for the past couple of years. You can hear all my podcasts on the jewishpodcast.fm and the Yidpod player. They're also in Google and they're also in Google Podcasts. They're also in Spotify. They're also in Am- on iTunes and they're on Amazon. Always to hear, but really the easiest way is to join the Tani Talks podcast group and you can get the recordings directly to your WhatsApp inbox to your phone. But this week, let's talk some tefillin. So we know that as you're a kid, as you're a boy, you're growing up, the excitement builds, the excitement builds to have this beautiful mitzvah, the mitzvah of tefillin. And there's a beautiful book, of course, by Rabbi Kaplan and other people out there about tefillin. But I wanted to talk from a regular Balabai's perspective. I'm just a regular guy living out of Long Island with my wonderful wife and delicious children, two boys, two girls, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Just a regular Balabai's, but we could still talk about tefillin. We 
put it on every single day. We wear the tefillin, we wear the straps, we wrap ourselves with the tefillin, but do we go through the motions? Do we just go through the motions? Do we just go through the movements and the actions, not realizing what they represent, what the point of them is, why we do this? Why are we involved in such a mitzvah? Why are we involved in such an action? Why are we doing this in our life? And why does it start only at around 13 years old? Some people make a big tefillin party, I did when I was a kid, and my brothers and my nephew did when he put it on, and other people as well did it. But why? What is the aspect? What is the point of tefillin, the straps of life? So if you think about it, tefillin is really an amazing mitzvah. It can be life-altering. It could be life-changing, and it could be life-saving. Yes, it can actually be life-saving. It could really save a life. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But if you ever think about the Shlichim, the Shluchim from Chabad, from Lavavich, why did they try to go around the entire world? Why is it they try to put on tefillin on every person, every Jewish person they meet? Do they put on tzitzis on every single person? Maybe. Do they put on a keep on every person? Maybe. But really, they're known for trying to get that tefillin on every person. Hey, sure, sir, boy, did you put on tefillin today? Did you do tefillin today? Were you involved in tefillin? Did you make sure to wear your tefillin today? Because it is really important to be involved in that mitzvah. People should be wearing the tefillin. But why? What's the aspect? What's the point of wearing the tefillin? Why are people wearing the tefillin? The tefillin is really an amazing mitzvah. It really, really can be life-altering. It is fantastic, it is fascinating, and it is so amazing to talk about. So we're going to talk about it. The tefillin itself, the boxes themselves, have many different aspects to them in general. They have many awesome aspects to them as well, and we're going to analyze and discuss why that is. By the way, you could also hear us on JRoot Radio on the JRoot Radio channel and on the JRoot app. Feel free to listen to us there as well, another way to listen. So my tefillin, from my personal experience, I can tell you my tefillin are actually quite large. They are size 42, which is like, if you know tefillin, if you know boxes, they are massive bohemoths. Why do I wear such tefillin, you may ask? I've asked myself many times, but really... It's because they're my dad's. My dad passed when I was only nine years old. My brother passed when I was 20. But my dad, you know, I took his tefillin when I was a young kid, and I wanted to wear them to feel connected to him. And he himself was a Balchuva with my wife. They came along the process together once they got married. It was a beautiful journey with a beautiful, friendly support, support of friends, support of a great rabbi. And his tefillin he got probably through Chabad Labavitch, and they happen to have big tefillin. Why? Maybe it's to have cloth and to have the parchments, to have the scrolls that are actually legible and actually readable, actually to be able to be involved in the scrolls that are really good, that are really fascinating and fantastic to be using. You know, we want there to be actual parchment that could be read, the, the parsha that could be read, the, the parshiot. We want them to be that they're actually legible. So those are easily legible, easily readable, easily able to be seen what they have. So my tefillin, of course, are very large. And over the years, you know, I've thought about 
actually getting different kinds of coverings, different kinds of containers. I actually wanted to get silver. It's filling for a long time. Still do. But it's very difficult to find, very difficult to locate. And if you do locate it, it's for like $1,000. Real silver, plasticky silver, just the silver stickers. Even that would be much more posh looking than the, the regular boxes. Those also very hard to find for size 41 or 42, whatever. It's quite hard. But they are really nice, and I like them even more so. They're even more unique besides for their size because I myself am left-handed. So I take my left hand, and I put the tefillin on my right hand, and I put it on my head. One of the sources we're going to look at, God willing, a little later, talks about how we wear the tefillin on the head, about the intellect, the rosh, the rosh of the intellect, the head of the intellect. And we put it on the arm for righties. They put it on their left arm because the left arm is right next to the heart. Obviously, if you've taken anatomy, you know anatomy. The heart is not actually in the center of your chest. It's really to the left. So the closest spot is really on that bicep. You know, when your arm is, is kind of across, it's right next to the heart. But for us lefties, it doesn't really work like that. So I'm wondering how that source works in general. But still, it's about the heart and the intellect that you're supposed to follow the ways of Hashem, to follow your heart, follow your head in the right way. And your head is supposed to lead after your heart in the right ways. Tefillin really, though, are a way to connect to Hashem. Tefillin can actually save a person's life. Oftentimes people say when they're reconnecting to Judaism, when they're reconnecting to Yahadut, when they're reconnecting to the Jewish way of life, what do you think the major aspects, the main aspects of being involved in Judaism is? What do you think the main two mitzvahs they do are? Oftentimes they talk about keeping Shabbat or keeping kosher. Oftentimes they're talking about wearing tefillin because that is one of the main mitzvahs associated with real Judaic way of life, a real Judaism way of life. And there are fascinating stories we're going to talk about also involved in the tefillin. If you have any tefillin story, by the way, you have any aspect that relates something that popped out to you in your life, feel free to let us know at sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. Sheerenjoymentradio at gmail.com. You could let us know at that email address. You could also message us if you want to be live on the air, no problem, or any questions or comments or suggestions. So I want to start off with a story, a fascinating story about the power of tefillin. Yeshiva World News, a fascinating news element for the Judaic world, for the Jewish world, YWN, Yeshiva World News, reports from November 2021, an incredible nace, an incredible miracle occurred during the deadly terror attack near the Kosel on a Sunday morning in November of 2021, when the life of Rabbi Zev Katzen-Ellenbogen was saved due to a bullet striking the exact place of his tefillin shell yad, saving his life. This is a very, very famous story. Rabbi Katzen Ellenbogen, 46, is a father of eight and a resident of the Jewish quarter of the Old City. He was on his way back from Shacharis, the morning prayer, the morning tefillah at the Kosel, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, still wrapped in his talus and tefillah, looking very regal and royal at Ebed Hashem, when he heard the sound of shooting. He later told Channel 13 News from his bed in Hadassah Ein Karim Hospital, I was going Home from Shacharis. Still wrapped in my talus and tefillin. I heard gunshots and chaos. I didn't really understand what was going on, but I realized that there was an incident. I knew that there was an incident. There was something that happened, something that occurred. I knew in my own life something was going on. Something happened. So at this point, 
he just knew that there was an incident, but suddenly, he's explaining from the first person, I felt a sharp pain in my right arm, right at the place of my tefillin. When I realized what happened, I immediately returned toward the Coastal Plaza, the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall Plaza, so I would be in a safe place. I understand what a great nace, what a great miracle I experienced. I could have lost my life in a second. The tefillin is opposite the heart, the phylacteries. There's a connection to Hashem, and you feel protected. It was an extremely powerful experience. What are the chances that somebody is walking, somebody is shot at, Lo'alenu, the bullet goes into a tiny aspect of the whole human form, that tefillin shelyad, not more than a couple of inches tall, a couple inches wide, a couple inches deep, the bullet goes into the tefillin shelyad, literally saving his life. The tefillin have the power, have the ability, have the capability to save your life to be life-saving. And that's only one story of many, many stories out there about the power of tefillin. RavBerlin.com points out that you can merit to have a long life via the mitzvah of laying and wearing tefillin, all in the merit of putting on tefillin. The moment you get up, you have to put on tefillin. When you wake up in the morning, and you're feeling fine, when you wake up in the morning, you have the ability to wear tefillin to, to put on that tefillin and you should be involved in the mitzvah of tefillin there's such merit when you put on the tefillin the moment you get up you have to put on the tefillin from that moment you get up you have to put it on once there was a story about a bachar a young man who screamed tefillin, tefillin, tefillin again and again. This story happened in the United States in New York. He started screaming about his tefillin over and over and over again. Tefillin! 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 Everyone started shouting, What is he going to do? What are you doing? There was a bachar there who after he got on the plane remembered that he had forgotten his tefillin. So he started screaming, Tefillin! Where are my tefillin? You won't fly without my tefillin! Bring me my tefillin! Tefillin, where are my tefillin? You won't fly without my tefillin. Bring me my tefillin. I'm not flying without my tefillin. The plane will not depart without my tefillin. I won't let you. So the pilot comes over to him and says, What is happening here? Get out of here. You won't fly. And your tefillin also won't fly. You think you're not going to fly just because you don't have your tefillin? You won't fly on my plane. Get off my plane. The Bachar says in response, No, I will fly! And my film will also fly! This is what he said. So the pilot opened the door, threw the Bachar out of the plane, he rolled over, the plane took off, and never returned. That plane collided with the second building of the Twin Towers. And in the merit of his tefillin, the Bachar, the young man, was saved from being on board that disastrous flight. Because without your tefillin, you cannot fly. Without your tefillin, you cannot fly. Tefillin are the straps of life. You want to hear more? What's more 
is that because he delayed the plane from taking off, 100,000 people were saved. Because in those 17 minutes that he delayed the plane, 100,000 people managed to escape from the second building of the Twin Towers because they had heard that a plane had collided with the other building. That is the power of the straps of life. That is the power of the tefillin. That is the zechus of the tefillin. You think about tefillin, we're just putting on straps. You think about tefillin, we're just wearing some random leather from a cow's hide. We make the boxes and we just put in meaningless parchments, God forbid. Tefillin is the straps of life. Or rather, tefillin are the straps of life. Meaningful, meritorious, powerful, life-saving, life-changing abilities. Rabbi Vigler points out on Chabadic.com, Chabadic.com, when he asked Shimon Yifrach, who was injured by terrorist gunfire in 2016, to put on tefillin that week beforehand when this came out, he proudly told him that he already had. In fact, he had a tefillin story he wanted to tell him. I used to serve in the Border Patrol unit, and in early 2016, I was stationed in a place called Aram, in Kalandia, he began. One morning, I had the urge to put on tefillin, but I didn't follow through. It weighed on my mind, and later in the day, an inner voice told me, Go put on tefillin. Go put on tefillin. I brushed it off. But it persisted. I told my fellow soldiers that I was stepping aside for a minute. And I moved away from the massive concrete security block I had been standing behind. Literally seconds after I stepped aside, a terrorist driving a heavy commercial vehicle drove full speed into the concrete slab, hitting it with such force that it moved at least six feet. I was so close that the vehicle grazed my hand. Imagine what would have happened had I still been standing there. There's no way I could have survived that. No way. I have no doubt that tefillin saved my life. Since then, I try to put on tefillin every day, including today. The Torah points out in Devarim, Chavchet, it proclaims the nations of the world will see that the name of Hashem is upon you and they will fear you. The nations of the world will see that the name of Hashem is upon you. They will fear you. The Talmud explains this refers to tefillin which have the power to inspire fear in the hearts of our enemies. The Labavitcher Rebbe initiated the tefillin campaign right before the Six Day War calling upon Jews worldwide, regardless of religious affiliation, to begin putting on tefillin every day, even if they have never done so. Really just to put on tefillin at all, and hopefully it'll come to being every day. The tefillin initiative, the tefillin campaign, that's why when we think Labavitch, we think tefillin. The Rebbe directed his Hasidim, his followers in Israel, to visit army bases and put on tefillin with the soldiers. Days later, the war began, and Israel defeated the heavily armed Egyptian, Syrian, and Jordanian armies with record speed. Indeed, tefillin have the power to literally save 
lives. Again, failing have the power to literally save lives. We saw it with the Six-Day War, and this friend of this person, Shimon, experienced it himself. So what are you waiting for? What are your friends waiting for? Men, go put on tefillin. Make sure you wear your tefillin. Make sure you understand the royalty, the regalness, the zechus, the merit of having tefillin and wearing tefillin. Because many people throughout the years did not have the merit to wear tefillin, did not have the ability to wear tefillin, to be involved in tefillin, to even have a tefillin to call their own. Sometimes in these old shtetls, these old communities, these old towns, poor towns in Europe and Poland and all around the world over the years, hundreds and thousands of years, many times there was one pair of tefillin for the whole community. They were just so expensive. You know, a pair can easily go for 800, 900, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. And in the olden days when people were water carriers and, and schleppers and tanners and, and shoemakers who had the money to buy tefillin. So sometimes the town had to share a pair of tefillin, or sometimes just a few rich machers had a pair of tefillin. But now, when rov am dekula am, most people have a pair of tefillin, and not just for one person, not just one kid, but all their kids. What is a chus? What a beautiful merit. What a beautiful thing. Think about the tefillin itself. We're going to look at the prayers of the tefillin itself, the tefillot, and the brachot of the tefillot, of the tefillin itself in a minute. But think about what you're saying. Think about what's connected, what's involved. With the Talis shear the other week, we talked about that also, being involved and wrapped, lehisatef batzitzis, to be enwrapped in the embrace of Hashem's connectedness. And here, we're talking about how the tefillin themselves are life-saving, life-changing, life-altering. What are you waiting for? Think about the tefillin. And wrap yourself in the tefillin, pun intended. Wrap yourself in the tefillin and be enraptured with the tefillin themselves. Chabad points out, Chabad.org from Mendy Pollock. Unfortunately, the author, Mendy, his father and father-in-law both passed away within the span of two years. Their tefillin ended up in his house where they sat on a shelf undisturbed for decades. Two months before he wrote the article, he said to himself, these tefillin are sacred. They were used for mitzvah for so many years. I am sure that they could still be used by someone. He decided to send them to a scribe, to a sofer, to inspect them, to see them, see that they can still be used, see that they could still be involved in the mitzvah, to ensure that they were in fine condition. The day that Tzfilin came back from the scribe, from the sofer, it was a Monday. He put them in a bag, hung them up next to the front door so that he would not forget about them. That afternoon, around 3 p.m., he was home, which is somewhat unusual for him. He heard a knock at the door. Hello? Anybody home? He was greeted by a mishulach, an alms collector from Israel, who was raising money for his daughter's forthcoming wedding. He invited him in. Gave him a snack and a cold drink, by the way, which is a lesson in and of itself. How many people turn away? Shluchim, and the very derogatory word that people use, the schnar, but we shouldn't use that either. Gave him a snack and a cold drink, and he brought him in. He let him sit down. If it's a cold day, he put the heat on. If it's a hot day, he put the air on. Letting him feel like a human. What a beautiful idea, just to give a person a snack and a cold drink and a warm smile, even if you don't have much money. 
But he did. He sent him on his way with a check in hand. So not only did he give him a snack, not only did he give him a cold drink, not only did he give him a little bit of lodging to rest for a few minutes, he gave him with money. Four things involved. What beautiful Achnasas Orchem involved in being involved with the Meshulach. As he walked him to the door, the collector remarked that in a few weeks, his son would be celebrating his bar mitzvah, and he had no idea how he would find money with which to purchase a pair of He's lived, the, Meshul, the, the Chabad guy, lived in the community for 40 years. 40 years! Many collectors have come to his door, but that was the first time he recalled anyone asking for money for tefillin. Unbelievable hashkacha pratis. Overjoyed. He stuck his hand into the bag and literally handed him a pair of freshly checked tefillin for his son. Laughing and crying at the same time, the Meshulach expresses his gratitude, Todah and joy, Mamish Besimcha, over this amazing turn of events. What a shkacha He then confided that his sister and brother-in-law would soon be making a bar mitzvah in their family as well, and neither did they have money for tefillin. Without further ado, he scooped out the second pair of tefillin and handed it to the man. Is that amazing? 40 years he's been living in that community, never in his life has he been asked for money for tefillin. The second he gets his tefillin checked for his father and father-in-law, he gets somebody coming asking for two pairs of tefillin. What unbelievable hashkacha pratis. What unbelievable divine providence in the turn of events. Fascinating to be able to do that mitzvah twice in the span of a minute and making the day of two families. The only regret Mendy, the author, says that in my great excitement, in his great excitement, he neglected to ask the tzedakah collector for his name and contact information. The following morning, his wife and he woke up early to visit their daughter, who lives in Waterbury, Connecticut, which was about 80 miles to the northeast of their home in Queens. Apparently, they were both more tired than they thought. They both dozed off after awakening abruptly when they crashed into a guardrail. Lowell Lane, we should never know from such things. The car was totaled. The car was destroyed completely. But Mendy and his wife stood up, walked out without a scratch on their bodies. Amazing. Amazing. The state trooper could not believe it when he looked at us and that the car never in his life has he ever seen people survive such an accident with not even a tiny scratch or a tiny injury? It is no coincidence. It is no random happenstance or occurrence that the second after, the morning after, the day after, he gave away both Tzfilin without batting an eyelash that his life was saved because Tzfilin have the power to change your life. Tzfilin have the power to save your life. Tefillin can be life-altering, life-saving, life-changing. And the author himself felt it must have been connected to the tefillin. After 30 years of disuse, he finally arranges for them to be used once again, and the following morning, his wife and he were saved from a terrible accident. No coincidence in life. Only hashkacha pratis in life. Hashem arranged beautifully that the two tefillin, which were just checked, would go on to the hands of someone else who would use them and love them and use them and need them. And the next day, 
Him and his wife were saved from death without a single scratch. No coincidence. In fact, the author thinks about the story we'll look at in a little bit, the source itself in the Talmud, concerning a man known as Elisha the winged one. Why was he known as the winged one, the bird? In his time, the wicked government decreed that any Jew who bore tefillin on his head would have his brain pierced. Lo, Elena, we should never know from such things. And which, what Yamach Shemam type of people? What terrible type of people? Undeterred, Elisha bravely wore tefillin in the marketplace in defiance of the government edict. He once saw that he had been spotted by the government appointed observers with his tefillin on and he ran his way as fast as he could. The government officials caught up to him but not before Elisha slipped the tefillin off his head and clutched it tightly in his hands. Again, the Gemara text is a little different. We'll look at it in a little bit. Here, it's paraphrased. What do you have in your hand? The, Gemara, the government official says to him in a harsh way. Elisha answers, Oh, just the wings of a dove. Oh, yes, neared the stranger. Open your hands and prove it. Left with no choice, Elisha opens his palms. A miracle, a nace occurs and the tefillin had become dove's wings. Isn't that amazing? Why, of all the objects in the world, did the tefillin become dove's wings? The Talmud replies, just as the wings of a dove protected, so do the mitzvahs protect the people of Israel. If you're devoted to the mitzvah, if you are connected to the mitzvah, the mitzvah will protect you. Hashem will ensure that you are protected. Something like that. There's no harm to someone who's a shliach. I remember Rabbi Marcus Sr., Rabbi J. Marcus Shlita, who founded Rashid, where I went for two years. I think he once was speaking, gave the example that he was once with a great rabbi going over the Verizon Bridge over to Staten Island, where I grew up. And they were going very, very fast. And, you know... He was talking with the rabbi and it was asking maybe we should go slow because they're on the way to a mitzvah, to a wedding, and they were very late. And he said, should we slow down? Should I be worried about getting a ticket? And I believe the rabbi said back to him, Ein mitzvah or something like that, that people involved in a mitzvah won't be harmed, won't be damaged. And lo and, lo and behold, they didn't get a ticket, Baruch Hashem. It's not an excuse, you know, if you're going collecting tzedakah to go 110 miles in the hour. You also do your shtadlis and be careful and listen to the dina de machusa dina, the laws of the land. But in general, there's some aspect that mitzvahs protect people. Tzvillin protect life. Tzvillin can be life-changing. And that's why I felt it very apropos to call it Tzvillin, the straps of life. Tzvillin are life-saving. Tzvillin are life-altering. Tzvillin are life-changing. And it can happen in life oftentimes in different people's lives. Miracles302.com and Anash.org and Chabad from a few years ago all point out a very interesting story. Miracles is spelled M-E-R-K-O-S-302.com. Anash is N-A-A. N-A-A-N-A-S-H.org, excuse me, and Chabad, of course, Chabad.org. If you have a tefillin story or some fascinating aspect of tefillin, feel free to let us know. Share and join me at radio at gmail.com. We're happy to talk about it. We're happy to mention it. Our number, of course, is 520-453-8302. 520-453-8302. So listen to this fascinating story of a remarkable Hashkacha Pratis and tefillin play a role as well. Rabbi Huda Dukes shares a remarkable story of Hashkacha Pratis. One Friday, Rabbi Huda Dukes, director of JNet, got a call from Gil in North Bend, Oregon. 
About 15 years before this story, Chaim Hershkovitz, who many know as the creator of the beloved Torah treasure videos, met him while on Merkor Shluchos there. With his help, Gil celebrated his bar mitzvah, began learning with a Jainet Chavrusa. During their conversation, Gil mentioned an interesting story that began many years ago when he and his friend were finishing their service in the military. The two young men were walking along the bank of a river when they saw a car inside the water with a family stranded on the roof. Losing no time, they immediately jumped into action and were successful, Baruch Hashem, in saving the family. Several years ago, Gil received a call from a man named Jay, a well-known television producer. He introduced himself, telling Gil that he was one of the children who had been rescued with his family from the river many years ago, all that time ago. What goes around comes around. Amazing. He was calling Gil to ask him to appear on national television with him so that he could share their story and receive recognition for his heroic actions. Gil, in his typical unassuming way, declined. No can do. Jay decided to go up to North Bend to meet with and thank Gil anyway. When Rabbi Dukes heard the story, he said, Jay asked what he can do to thank you. Why don't you ask him to put on tefillin? He proceeded to tell him about a JNet campaign that was launched to inspire people to get others to do a mitzvah. Gil decided to do just that. He sent Jay a text message informing him that he would soon be going through a medical procedure and that it would mean a lot to him if Jay would put on tefillin in his zechus. I have some tefillin somewhere. I will look for them today, Jay responded. With or without tefillin, I will be asking our king for nothing but good for your test. Because tefillin are a way to show connection. Tefillin are a way to change your life. Tefillin are a way to save your life. Whether you're living robustly and healthily and you never should know from your son at any level or whether you actually personally witnessed a crazy miracle or or witnessed a crazy life-altering situation in your own life, it doesn't matter. Tefillin are a way to connect to Hashem, a way to connect to the Almighty, to the King Himself, to feel that regalness, to feel that loyalty, to feel that royalty with Hashem. Tefillin are the straps of life. The Detroit Jewish News points out how wearing tefillin improves your heart function and may even save your life. A new study shows. You don't believe the spiritual sources listen to this article about a medical study. A study conducted by researchers at the University of Cincinnati, UC. College of Medicine suggests Jewish men who put on tefillin every morning may receive cardiovascular health benefits. Isn't that interesting? The ritual, which involves the tight wrapping of an arm with leather banding as a part of daily prayer, may generate remote ischemic preconditioning, RIC, that results in protection during heart attacks. Obviously, there are many, many people that die and, and low lino fall prey to many, many different things, my own dad included, and we can't explain that. It's not up to explain. It's up to Hashem. But on some level, on some way, there is some extra protection from wearing tefillin. Obviously, we can't explain all those people who, had, who, who died young. Obviously, that's not what we're talking about here. But here, the study is talking about how there might be some effects in general. RIC is an experimental method of protecting the heart and other organs by temporarily restricting blood flow, triggering the body's natural protective mechanisms against tissue damage caused by low oxygen levels. Jack Rubenstein, MD, doctor, associate professor in the Division of Cardiovascular Health and Disease and a UC Health cardiologist, says he studied 20 Jewish men 
living in Greater Cincinnati, nine who are tefillin every day, and eleven who don't, all aged eighteen to forty, and all in good health. His researchers recorded the participants' vital signs like blood pressure, you know, respiration, things like that. Drew blood for analysis of circulating cytokines and monocyte function, and also measured blood flow in the arm not wrapped with tefillin during the early morning and then after wearing tefillin for thirty minutes. We found people. We found people who wear tefillin every day. These people who wear tefillin, either the short or the long term, recorded a measurable positive effect on their blood flow. That has been associated with better outcomes in heart disease, says Rubenstein. Blood flow was higher for men who wore tefillin daily and improved in all participants after wearing it just once, explained Rubenstein. So this is a scientific backing to the Rebbe's initiative from Chabad. See how everything comes full circle? Fascinating. Men who wore tefillin daily also had fewer circulating cytokines, signaling molecules that could cause inflammation and negatively impact the heart. than non-users, indicating that daily use elicits an effect similar to that observed with other methods of eliciting remote ischemic preconditioning-like effect. Researchers have studied preconditioning by inducing small heart attacks in animals and found that they protected the animal from larger, more serious heart attacks in the future. The same preconditioning could be used by partially blocking blood flow in one part of the body and thus serving as a protective element in another part of the body to lessen the injury, says Rubenstein. The problem with translating this to people is we don't know when someone will have a heart attack. No one should have a heart attack. People should all live on 120 years. It says Rubenstein, it is almost impossible to precondition anyone unless they're willing to do something daily to themselves. Tzvillin use may in fact offer protection as it's worn on an almost daily basis. Obviously, aside from, you know, Rosh uh, excuse me, aside from, you know, Yom Tovim and Shabbos, otherwise almost daily basis. Rubenstein says there are also studies that have found Jewish Orthodox men have a lower risk of dying of heart disease compared to non-Orthodox men. This protection is not found in Orthodox women who usually don't wear tefillin. So maybe, maybe, for all of these reasons, Chabad is so keen on getting people every day, everywhere, every Jewish male to put on tefillin around the world. The Rebbe's initiative was really a lot of foresight, really a lot of Ruach HaKodesh on his level. Some some aspects, some way of having a little bit of a, almost kind of a nevuah in some way that this is what the world needs, this is what's good for the Jewish men of the world, something very important to be involved in because tefillin are the straps of life. Tefillin are life-changing, life-saving, life-altering elements, not just a religious article, a religious artifact, but a living, breathing way for us to connect to Hashem. Not alive, alive, but spiritually a living, breathing thing for us to connect to Hashem, to wrap ourselves in love for Hashem. A new book came out called Zera Shimshon Eishas Chayel by Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Rabbi Seltzer is a big role model for me. I've actually met him and talked to him, and he was one of the impetuses for me changing all the names of the shows from the previous names to Tani Talks X, Tani Talks Y, including, you know, OT, Pirkei Staff. Um, and Parsha and Life, which now has become Tani Talks Radio. So a lot of gratitude on Karsten Tovis Rabbi Seltzer, and he has amazing, amazing books. He's a phenomenal writer, and so much, so much more. So his book, Zara Shimshon Eishas Chayel, which I believe recently came out, is a very interesting story that I actually just saw in the art school at the Shabbos table that we printed out this past Shabbos. Shlomo Reichenberg lived through the Holocaust, suffering like so many members of Klai Yisrael. At one point, 
He was sent to a relatively small concentration camp with a population of some 3,000 inmates. There he tried to stay under the radar as best he could. One day as he was walking outside his barracks, he was suddenly set upon by a Jew he didn't know. A man he had never spoken to, a total stranger to him. Inexplicably and without warning, the stranger began punching and beating him to the point where he literally caused him to bleed. Shlomo couldn't understand why he was being attacked. What are you doing? The man continued hitting him with his fist. Stop hitting me, he cried. But the Jew carried on, beating Shlomo with all his might. It took a while, but the beating finally came to an end. Blood was flowing from his wounds, and he was in agony. Why did you hit me, he demanded. I don't even know you. That doesn't matter, the other replied. It does matter. I don't understand. Why did you lift up your fists and hit me? You will now come with me to Barrack 10, the stranger said. There we will learn the truth about you and why I just beat you up. It was obvious that he wasn't being given a choice. He didn't have a choice. Shlomo Reichenberg followed his attacker to Barrack 10, wondering what lay in store for him, and didn't take Shlomo long to understand why they were going to Barrack 10. One of the prisoners housed there was the Jew who served as the unofficial arbitrator of all disagreements, arguments, and fights within the camp. Shlomo's attacker was leading him to this man to be judged for what? He still did not know. They were allowed into the barrack and brought before the judge. What is the nature of your disagreement? He asked them. Shlomo spoke first. I was walking outside my barrack this morning, he began. When this man, he pointed at his attacker, began beating me up for no reason. He punched me and slapped me and made me bleed. I don't even know why. I've never seen him before. I've certainly never exchanged two words with him. Yet he decided to attack me unprovoked and for no obvious reason. The judge turned to the attacker. What do you have to say for yourself? I have a very good reason for hitting this man, the attacker said. Yes? I saw him smiling to himself as he stood outside the barracks. Not once, but twice. So what if he was smiling, the judge asked. Why is that a reason to attack him? Let's analyze the situation, the man said. Everyone in this camp is slowly starving to death. The Nazis barely give us enough food to keep body and soul together. Now, you and I both know that people who are starving do not smile. And yet I saw this man smiling, as I said, not once, but twice. Let's take a minute to understand what that means. If he is smiling, then it stands to reason he isn't starving. Because starving people do not smile. Yet how is it possible that he isn't starving when every single inmate is suffering from not having enough to eat? The answer is simple. The reason he isn't starving is because he is working with the Nazis, Yemachimam, who are giving him extra rations as a reward for his collaboration. I am sure you will agree that a Nazi collaborator, Yemachimam, deserves to be beaten even worse than the beating I gave this man. That is why I attacked him. The judge turned back to Shlomo and said, He makes a strong argument, or at least raises a solid question. How do you respond? Shlomo looked at the judge and as his attacker and made the decision to tell them the secret that lay behind his smile. You have just accused me of being a Nazi collaborator? He told the attacker, You made the erroneous calculation that seeing me smile I must be working with the enemy since only then would I have enough food? What if you were wrong? What if a person can in fact smile for reasons that have nothing to do with having enough food. 
I will explain what I'm talking about. A few months ago, I and a few of my friends were somehow able to get hold of a pair of tefillin. I cannot go into the details of how we managed to do this, but since that great day, I've been able to don a pair of tefillin every morning. When you saw me smile, I was thinking about the fact that I have had the merit to wear tefillin even here in this terrible place in Gehenim and how my connection with the Rabbono Shalom is still intact even here in this form of Gehenim on earth. That is why I smiled, not once, but twice. It had nothing to do with food and everything to do with the satisfaction I received from my ongoing connection with Hashem. I am so lucky. I have a pair of tefillin to put on myself every morning. As a Jewish man who has been granted such incredible good fortune, how can I not smile? Needless to say, the judge ruled in favor of Rav Shlomo Rochenberg. You could be in the depths of Gehenim on earth. You could be in the bowels of fire of Gehenim. You could be in the worst place in modern Jewish history in our lives and the lives of our ancestors and you could still find a reason to smile. Because even in Gehenna, even in the treacherous, tragic, worst place on earth in recent centuries, you could still smile because feeling can still be life-changing. It could still be life-altering. It can still be life-saving. And it could still be the straps of life, even, especially in, places as terrible and as evil as concentration camps. Because tefillin are the straps of life. When we think about tefillin, they think at first it can seem like black boxes with small parchment scrolls featuring sukkim from the Torah. Tefillin are worn on the upper arm and forehead at least once each day. But adult Jews during Shacharis, morning prayers, except on Shabbos, Shabbos and holidays, and of course Tisha B'Av, when we're in the middle of the day. But we think about the sources, we think about the Pesukim, think about where it comes from, what it represents. Shmos teaches us in Yagimel, it serves as a sign on your head, Totafos, Bene Necha, Ukshartim Lios Al Yadecha, Bayula Totafos, Bene Necha. It should be a sign, a reminder for you, the teaching of Hashem in your mouth, that Hashem freed you from its shrine with a mighty hand. Shemos also teaches us it should be a sign on our hand, a symbol on our forehead. It is a symbol on your forehead that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. We think about Devarim, how it talks about binding them as a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead. And Devarim teaches us we impress ourselves, these words on our hearts, bind them as a sign on your hand, a symbol on our forehead. Teach us children. Teach our children. Recite them when you stay at home, when you're away, when you lie down, when you get up from the Shema. And inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and your gates that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Hashem will be the one who is taking care of us as long as there is a heaven on earth. What are the psukim? What are the parchments and the passages in the tefillin? ott.co.il and other places explain that the Torah passages, the Parshia, what do they contain? They have four different passages in the Torah which deal with the commandment of wearing tefillin. They're inscribed in the parchment and inserted in the bottom. The tefillin shall yad have one compartment. The tefillin shall rosh have four. That's why you have the little slits in the tefillin shall rosh. And on the yad, it's one big bot, one big house. 
the passages are Kadashli Kol Bechor, Sanctify Me All Before from Shemos 13, Yud Gimel, Vahaya Kiviyachem, and Hashem will bring you into the land that comes from Shemos Yud Gimel as well, Shema Yisrael from Devarim 6, Devarim Vav Talib, and it's also from, and it will come to pass if you hearten, so we have Kadashli, Vahaya Kiviyachem, and Vahaya Another Vahaya, Vahaya, it will come if you pass and if you hearken from also Devarim, Perak Yud Aleph. So these are these four parchments that are in the Tefillin. They deal with the Tefillin themselves, they deal with the mitzvah, they deal with aspects of being involved in serving Hashem. Each passage is written twice in the Tefillin Shalyad, they're written in a prescribed order of one piece of parchment. In the Rosh, they're written in a prescribed order, but each passage is written on a separate parchment put in a different compartment of the Tefillin. The four passages are in the Yad as one unit, one parchment, and in the, the Rosh as four. The Gemara points out in Baruchah 6a, there's an Agadic statement, Rav Avin bar Rav Ada said that Rav Yitzchak said, where do we know that Hashem wears tefillin? Because it says Hashem swore by his right hand and the arm of strength from Yeshaya. It's customary to swear on holy objects, so Hashem himself, Kaviachal, has the tefillin. Specifically, his right hand refers to the Torah, as it says, by the giving of the Torah from his right hand, a fiery law for the people, from Devarim. The arm of strength is the left hand, that's the tefillin. Hashem gave strength to his nation. It is the form of the mitzvah of the tefillin themselves. The Gemara asks, how do we know that the tefillin provides strength for Bnei Israel? Because it talks about the nations of the land shall see the name of Hashem, they will fear you. Abraissa teaches Rabbi Elezer, the great says, it is a reference to the tefillin of the head upon which Hashem wrote that the name of Hashem is on you. And we talked about the source comes from Shabbos 49a. Elisha was once involved in being involved in the decree that having to participate, unfortunately, in the decree of the Rome against wearing tefillin, but he did it anyway, that they were going to pierce the brain. Elisha donned them anyway. He went into the marketplace. They wanted to arrest him and get him and kill him, and basically kill him. He ran away. They ran after him. He took out the tefillin. He held him in the hands. The officer said, what is going on here? What's in your hand? He said, it's the dove's wings. The miracle happened, and then it really was a dove. And they called him Elisha, man of wings. And what's different of dove's wings of other birds? Because the congregation of Israel, the Bnei Israel, is likened to a dove is likened to a bird. As it says, you shall shine as the wings of a dove, covered with silver and pinions with yellow gold. Just as this dove, only with its wings protected and no other protection, so do the Jewish people mitzvahs protect them. Amazing stories about the power of tefillin, the life-saving ability of tefillin, the life-changing, the life-altering aspects of tefillin in our lives. Menachos 44a talks about a Rav Sheshis says anyone who does not don tefillin violates eight positive mitzvahs. It's referring to the mitzvah to don the tefillin of the arm and the head on one. Each one has four different passages, so it's eight mitzvahs. Shabbos 153a talks about oil not being absent from your head. These words hint to the tefillin which are worn on the head. Menachot 43b talks about Arbaisa says that the Jewish people are beloved as Hashem surrounded them with mitzvahs. They have tefillin on their heads. Tefillin on their arms. They have tzitzes on their garments and mezuzahs on their doorways. David says, King David says, David Amalekh, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Tefillin. Tehillim, excuse me. This alludes to the tefillin, the two tefillin, and the four tzitzes and the mezuzah, which total seven. And look at, look at the brachos of the tefillin itself. Barachat Hashem al-Kenim Melech God who has sanctified us with his commandments to put on the tefillin. 
Baruch Atah Hashem Elkenim Malchom Asher Gershom Sotzivano Al Mitzvah Tefillin. Blessed are you, Hashem, God, King of the Universe, who has sanctified us with His commandments. That the Tefillin really make us sanctified. Commanded us concerning the Mitzvah of the Tefillin. And then, if you think about the the next paragraph, you think about the Lashem Yichud for the sake of the unification of Hashem. Talking about to fear and love Him and love and fear Him, to unify the name of Hashem with unity in the name of Israel. I'm putting on the tefillin. I want to fulfill the commandment of Hashem who, who told us to put on tefillin as written in the Torah. Bind them as a sign in your head and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Four sections, the Shema. And if you will listen and sanctify and it shall be when He brings you. These are the four sections we mentioned before. Since they contain His oneness in His world, may His name be blessed and through them we can remember His miracles and wonders when He took us out of Egypt, His power control over the whole world and different beings. Command us to put us on our, on our arms to remember the extended form which He took us out of Egypt and uh, across from our hearts to subjugate the desire and thoughts of our heart for His service. May his name be placed on the head, across from the brain, such as that the soul of my brain, along with other senses and powers, be subjugated to Hashem. May his name be placed on the bounty from the commandment of film flow upon me, that I shall have long life, holy bounty, holy thoughts, free from any conjectures or sin or transgression, such that the evil inclination should not try to tempt us or disturb us, but leave us to serve you, Hashem, in our hearts. May it be your will, Hashem. To, that we, this commandment's film be considered before Hashem as if we can fulfill it in all its details, all its minutiae and intentions, like the six thirteen commandments that are descended upon it and dependent upon it. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful tefillah? How many of us just skim through it? I'm myself guilty of this too. And we don't even pause and think about the beautiful beauty of this mitzvah, of what we're saying we're trying to do with tefillah, what we're trying to accomplish with tefillah. We should stop and think about that prayer. Think about May you impart from your wisdom to me, Hashem, O Sai. Give me understanding from your understanding. With your loving kindness, do great things with me. With your merit, cut off my enemies and opponents. Pour bountiful oil upon the seven branches of the menorah. In order to continue to cause goodness to flow to your creatures, open your hand, fulfill the will of every living thing. Another beautiful thing we say with the Tefillin. Then we say the Erastich, which comes from Hoshea, Perak Bet. I believe that's the Hebrew. I will betroth you to me forever, Hashem. I'll betroth you to me in righteousness, in justice, in kindliness, and in mercy. I'll betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know Hashem. The straps are straps of life. The straps are straps of connection to Hashem. Binding ourselves to Hashem, binding ourselves to His will, to His way of life, to His way in this world. We need to connect to Hashem in this way, using the tefillin, using the aspect to be involved with Hashem. Just the tefillists themselves talk to us about the connection to Hashem, the ultimate benefit, the ultimate aspect of the beauty that is involved in this mitzvah itself. Then you think about the aspects of Vayidara, Vayikiviacha, from the Tefillin itself, of the passages from the Torah itself, that also can be said with the Tefillin to connect to the Tefillin to connect to Hashem. The Gemara in Megillah 8b talks about how there's a difference between Torah scrolls and phylacteries, the Tefillin and the Mezuzah, in terms of the manner which they're written. And only the Torah scrolls, only that Torah scrolls are written in any language, although obviously it's preferred to be in Ashurit, the Hebrew, whereas the Tefillin and the Mezuzahs are written only in Ashurit, in Ashuris, in Hebrew, using the Hebrew script, because they're so holy, they're so beautiful, they're so connected to Hashem, they're so life-altering, 
life-changing and life-saving that they have to be in Ashuris. They need to be in Ashuris. We needed to connect to ourselves in Ashuris. It needs to be in that Hebrew, using that Hebrew connection, using those Hebrew words. The Mechilta de Rabbi Shmuel point out, in 1314. It shall be as a sign upon your head in four places the Mitzvah Tillon is mentioned. Sanctify me. It shall be when the Lord brings you. Hashem brings you. Shema. And it will be if you hearken. From here they rule the Mitzvah of Tefillin. Four sections in the armpiece on one parchment. Four sections in the headpiece on four distinct parchments. As we talked about before, there are two aspects to the Tefillin. One is a full box and one is four areas, four compartments the tefillin are arranged in such a way. So we need to have these aspects if they're not written in the right order. If they're not done in the right order, if they're not written in this order, they must be secreted. They must be gotten rid of. Rambam and Mishnah Torah, tefillin, Mezuzah in the Torah point out, although the proper board of fulfilling the precept is to wear tefillin the whole day, it's especially a duty to do so during the recital of tefillah. The sages say, the Chacham say, whoever reads the Shema without wearing phylacteries, without wearing tefillin, is regarded as testifying falsely in his own person. Whoever does not wear tefillin at all violates eight affirmative precepts, since in each of the four sections the command is set forth to lay the tefillin on the head and on the arm. Whoever wears tefillin regularly will be blessed with longevity. We already saw in the earlier stories, we already saw in the earlier topics in the earlier paragraphs in the beginning how tefillin is life altering how tefillin is life changing and how tefillin is life saving the shulchan Aruch points out in orachayim 25.5 when putting the tefillin on we have to have in mind that hashem commanded us to put these four passages these four aspects these four paragraphs if you will for for passages from the Torah which contain the principle of monotheism and the exodus and the Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and the arm opposite the heart and the head opposite the brain so that we may remember the miracles and wonders that Hashem did for us which indicate His unity and that He is omnipotent in heaven and on earth to do with them as He wills and to submit to Hashem His soul which resides in the brain as well as His heart which represents the main physical desires and thoughts through this you'll remember Hashem Mechotz Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai point out in 13 that the Torah of Hashem be in the mouth to exclude women from tefillin. What is exemplary about tefillin? They are a positive time-triggered commandment. Mitzvah says, Shazman Grama, like Sukkah. They are a positive time-triggered commandment from which women are exempt. So too are women exempt from all positive time-triggered commandments. The Mishnah Torah also points out in Tefillin, Mezuzah, and Torah scroll from the Rambam, there are eight rules for making the tefillin. All of them are traditionally ascribed to Moshe received them on Har Sinai. Hence, it is indispensable to observe all of them. A variation from any one of them renders the tefillin unfit. The rules are that the tefillin, external leather containers, must be square. They must be sewn in a way that retains their square shape. Their diagonals must be those of a square so that all the angles should be equal. The leather container of the tefillin for the head shall have the letter Shin, embossed on the right and the left side. Each of the slips of parchment of which the sections from the Torah are written is to be wrapped in its cover. It is to be tied with hair, and then the slips are placed in their respective compartments, which are sewn up with sinews. A border with a fold open at both ends shall be made of the skin of the base for the strap to pass through freely. The straps shall be black, have the special knot that is known to all in the shape of a dalit. These are all things that we take for granted, but they're precepts, different aspects that must be fulfilled, must be had with the tefillin. If you're missing any one of these things, God help us, God forbid, it would make the tefillin puzzle. That's why they're supposed to be checked twice 
in seven years. Every three and a half years, you should have your tefillin checked. We actually had them checked in 2019, so we're actually coming up into the year that I believe they have to be checked. Also, the mezuzah. So the mezuzah doctor came last time. He also checked my tefillin while he was here. Maybe that could be happened again. Brachos seven eight points out. What did Moshe see when Moshe says, "Harini nasir teach me your ways." Really, some commentators say, some mafarshim say, Moshe was trying to ask Hashem, "Why did the wicked prosper, and the good suffer? Why did the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people?" To paraphrase from secular culture, excuse me, the age-old question, and Hashem says, "No man can see me and live." Lo adam. Your your Obviously, I'm not saying the Hebrew right, but it's basically the aspect lo adam You can't see me and live. But Hashem says to Moshe, "I could put you in a rock. I could put you in a cleft in a cave, and I'll, I'll close your eyes. I'll let you see when it's time." And basically, Hashem shows him his back. Meaning, the commentators point out that that Moshe wasn't given a clear picture. What was given only some sort of understanding on some things, but not. Many things, including probably why the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper. But here, in the in the Torah, it talks about how it says, I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you will not see, because a person can't see it. From Shemos 3323. From Shemos Lamad Gimel Chaf Gimel. Rav Chana Bar Business said in the name of Shemach Hasidah, the expression, and you will see my back, should be understood as follows. This teaches that Hashem, who has mentioned above, wears tefillin, showed him that not of the tefillin of his head, whatever that means, Lahavdil Hashem doesn't have any physical aspects, which is worn on the back of the head. So Hashem showed Moshe only the back, only the aspect, the back is tefillin, on the back, just to show him some aspect, but not really all aspects or all understandings on any level. The Gemara points out in Gemara Megillah, 16b, we say in, in Avdala every week, but it really comes from Megar Megillah. So, Vikar, what does Vikar refer to? A lot of the things were taken away from the Jewish people, like Brismila and supposedly Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh on some level, maybe, or different times that happened. But here, Vikar, what was decreed against them, especially from Haman Harasha? His name should be blotted forever. Elu tefillin, the, the Gemara talks about. V'chein hu omer v'ro kol amei ha'arzki shem ha'shem nikra alacha v'yira mimcha v'tani rabbi lezer gado omer elu tefillin shebarosh. Honor, what is Vayikar referred to? This refers to tefillin, which what they once again donned. The Jews in Shushan and abroad, all over, once again wore them. Similarly, it says the people of the earth will see your call by the name of Hashem. They'll be afraid of you from Devarim. It's taught in the Bible, Rabbi Lezer the Great said, this is referring to the tefillin worn on the head. Haman Harasha, Yemach Shemo, had banned the fulfillment of all the myths mentioned, but upon his demise, the Jews returned to their observance of tefillin. Because tefillin are life-changing. Tefillin are life-altering. Tefillin are life-saving. In the merit of mitzvahs, Hashem saves us oftentimes, and the tefillin are really involved in that. Rabbeinu Bahaya points out from Bereshia 17, Yudzayin, there are a total of three commandments in the Torah which are called os, a sign. We saw that before. It is a sign. They are bris mila, circumcision, Shabbat, Shabbos, and phylacteries, tefillin. That's an os, a sign. And finally, the Gemara in Sanhedrin 48a points out 
if there was an action, why do I need a brysa to say that the owner designated and wrapped it? Wouldn't wrapping alone have sufficed? The more answers the brysa is according to the opinion of Rav Chistas. Rav Chistas says with regard to a cloth that one designated for the purpose of bundling tefillin in it, if he had already bundled tefillin in it, then it's forbidden to bundle coins in it as it was designated used as an accessory of a sacred object. Because even the tefillin, even the bag, even the box that holds the tefillin itself are precious and are holy and are necessary to use and to keep for some aspect. Tefillin are holy and the object that holds the tefillin are holy too. It's like a Tashmishe Mitzvah. It's like a Tashmishe Kedusha. It's involved in that. It's involved in that. The, the ability to be using that is what is involved. The tefillin itself held in the case is an accessory to the mitzvah. That's why it should be treated as such, and that's why we should don and fill it in beautiful boxes. Maybe one day get those silver boxes would be awesome with the size 41 or 42, whatever my size is. That's why it's beautiful to have a beautiful talus bag. My mom sold me one in orange and red. Red used to be my favorite color, and orange is now my favorite color. It says my name is on Mordechai, and it has a nice embroidery on the other side. And my fill-in bag from many years ago has my Parsha, Vayachi, and it has the different Shvatim, has my name, Nassim Mordechai, in the front with different embroidery, and then my Atar, which I took from my dad, also is embroidered and has different Shvatim and different animals on it too, because we want to beautify the mitzvahs, we want to beautify Tefillin and Talis, and we want it to be that there are aspects that hold the Tefillin, that house the Tefillin, are also beautiful as well. So as we think about Tefillin, as we take the Tefillin and we wear it every day, we should realize what Zechus we have. We should realize what merit we have. What unbelievable ability we have. You think about the guy in Auschwitz or in Birkenau or in whatever terrible, terrible Yamach Shemo camp he was in that literally found a reason to live, a reason to smile, a reason to be joyous even in Gehenna on earth. You think about Rav Katzen who was saved from death from the bullet that should have killed him, but Hashem had it strike his tefillin himself instead. You think about the guy who left the flight to get to Tefillin and he saved a hundred thousand people and himself and the merit of the Tefillin because that plane went into the Twin Towers. You think about the person who the guy saved his life from the water and he wore Tefillin in that Tzachos. You think about the person who literally got two Tefillin from his dad and his father-in-law and was able to give it to two families. Unbelievable Hashkacha Pratis involved as well. Such crazy Hashkacha Pratis. You think about all these stories, and you think about the, the, the news article we read also, that it literally can save your life. It literally can improve your life. It literally can change your life. As we think about tefillin, we should think about the straps of life. We should think about the beautiful brachos we say, the beautiful ve'erasach, binding ourselves to Hashem, mechachmascha, having a life connected to Hashem, a beautiful life in Hashem, thinking about the Hashem yichud, how we're trying to connect ourselves to Hashem and bind ourselves to Hashem. We should think about the fact that tefillin are life-changing. We should think about how tefillin are life-altering. And we should think about how tefillin, we have the unbelievable zuchas to have tefillin in our life. We should treat them with great respect. We should treat them with great trepidation. We should treat them with a beautiful aspect to be involved in wearing them. Give them glory, give them ability, give them beauty, splendor, and honor as much as you can. Don't just slap them on and think that they're a piece of parchment and a piece of wood or a piece of animal hide. It's much, much more than that. It's much, much more beautiful than that. As we think about tefillin, how they are life-saving, they are life-changing, they are life-altering, tefillin truly are the straps 
of life. This had been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk a topic of the week for the audience members to keep here on Monday nights at 8.30. Some weeks doing the sheer, some weeks doing the topics. Join us next week as we talk a topic here live at 8.30, whether you're listening on the Sheer Enjoyment app on Apple App Store or on the Sheer Enjoyment app on the on the Google Play Store or on the streamer.radio.co link or on 520-453-8302 or if you're listening on the Naki Radio, the Sheer Enjoyment Radio Channel or on JRoot Radio app or on the JRoot Radio Channel on Naki Radio, you can listen to us so many ways and you also can join us on the Tiny Talks Podcast WhatsApp group as well. You could get the recordings. You could hear the recordings straight directly to your inbox you're going to join us you can join us you can listen to us on different aspects and different levels here on Tani Talks Radio brought to you by Sheer Enjoyment Radio powered by Radio.co join us next week as we talk a topic for the week for the audience members to keep and I'm your host Tani <laughs>